When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is Terrio Media. Yo. Yeah, yeah, we got the cash flow. Yeah, welcome, welcome to the Epic Real Estate Investing Show, so glad you found us, and if this is not your first time here, welcome back. If this is your first time here, you have found us right in the middle of a very special series of episodes that I'm airing on four sequential Mondays, today being the third episode. So if this is your first episode that you're listening to the show, probably going to make sense for you to back up a little bit, back up to episode number 386 just a couple weeks ago, and then uh, you can catch up to us to where we are today. We'll still be here, and uh, but that probably makes sense because you can capture the the whole essence of what's going on. And and what we are doing is we're going over the very steps and, and tactics to get your first or your next deal done using little to no money. And the reason we're doing this is through some... Conversations that I've recently had with various mentors of mine, I, I shared with them the amazing case studies of our, our new RAs clients that, uh, that we've been getting over the last 18 months. It's just been a tremendous success. We've made a big shift in, in how we help people get what they're looking for with regards to their uh, real estate investing. And uh, it's it's really panned out nicely. And we've, I've mentioned to my, my mentors and my friends how, how the majority of our clients have closed at least a deal or two. I mean, some are just knocking it out the park. Some are getting great results. And, you know, on the low side, I mean, they're at least closing deals. And, you know, the, the, the successful people in any program, in any industry, well, no matter what the endeavor or what the, what the pursuit is in any program, it's never among the majority of people are getting great results. And the, uh, the, the 80-20 rule, it's always at play where, where 80% of the results are produced by 20% of the partip- uh, participants. I mean, I forget what the statistic was. I heard it on actually somebody else's podcast, I think it was, where, uh, I don't know, it was like 73% never even open up the box of the program or never even log in or something like that. But uh, in our REAs program, I'm approximating we're right around 60 to 70% of the participants are getting pretty close to exactly what they were hoping for. And so one of my mentors, the one specifically, he kind of asked me and he grilled me as I was trying to celebrate. He said, uh, he kind of kept me humble. And um, he said, so how can you get your results to 100% in your REIs program? And I was like, well, gosh, I mean, we just went from like what normally was 20% to like 60 to 70%. I mean, you know, can we can we celebrate that a little bit? He said, no, we gotta, how do we get to it to 100%? You're not done yet. And so I started thinking and I, and I naturally went to 
my mind went to about to, to the place and I started thinking about the people that are that are struggling a little bit and not really, uh, you know, haven't got their haven't met their expectations yet. And I uh, was like, how do I help them? What do I have to do differently for them? And what, what, how could I tweak them? How could I help them? How could I encourage them? What more resources could I give them? And stuff like that. And, and he quickly corrected me. He said, no, 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 no. You don't, you're not getting me. That's wrong. That's the wrong way to approach it. The answer is you don't let that 30 to 40% of those people, you don't let them into the REI ACE program. That's how you get a 100% success rate. And I was like, wow, I never really thought about it that way. And I think probably the reason that I never have thought about it that way is because I remember what it was like for me when I got started. You know, on the surface, you know, what I look like from the outside looking in, I I probably looked more like that 30 to 40% of the people that aren't getting the results than the, uh, the 60 to 70% that are. Because I didn't have a whole lot to work with. I had very little experience in, in real estate investing. I'd been an agent um, but, uh, once you've been an agent and you've been an investor, you realize how few similarities that there actually are between the two. And, uh, and, and what I'm saying is if, if I don't let that 34 to or that 30 to 40% into the program, that, that one, that's, you know what that would mean? That would mean that I wouldn't even have qualified for my own program and I would have never gotten a shot. And I can't imagine where I'd be right now. So there's a big part of me that has this, I don't know, this, this soft spot for those that are starting from square one with very limited resources, but they got the desire. I mean, they just need someone to put them on and they'll go ahead and they're going to make it happen. And I, you know, I just always feel like um, if I feel like someone might not, you know, be the perfect fit, I'm like, but they could be that person. And so we, we still turn away, I don't know, we were turning away 10, 20%, but he says, no, you got to get to that 30 to 40%. You're, you're still letting too many people in. So uh, my mentor suggested me to uh, create an all-inclusive course. Like, because I, I said, I, well, I can't just cut everybody off. I got to give them a shot. I, how can I get them, I guess, like prepped up and revved up to become a successful REI ACER? And uh, he said, well, this is what you do. Create an all-inclusive course. Like, just put everything that you know, everything that you know. Is it the essentials of everything that you know of how to get that first or that next deal done if you had limited resources? Like, what would you do if you were to start over again? And I was like, well, I'd do it the exact same way because that's how I did it. That's the only way I would know to do it. And, um, you know, so he, he goes, okay, so just put that together. How did he get that first or that next deal done with limited resources, like with little to no money? And then you got to make the course almost free. I mean, you have to make it super easily accessible. You got to get them in there. So now those people that really do want it and that will really go after it and do what's necessary, they can easily get in. They'll rise to the top and then they'll have that option if they want to turn this real estate thing into a business, they'll be perfect for REI ACE then, and you maintain your 100% success rate. I was like, wow, you sound like you've done this before. <laughs> and he said, no, but I know other people that have, and it's been very successful. So so I was like, okay, cool. And I, I did it. I, I went forward with it. And uh, if you've done a few deals already, and you'd like to turn your real estate investing into a business, REI ACE, that's for you. Go to REIACE.com, that's for you. But this short series that I'm running right now, this is for everybody else. So if you've still yet to do your first deal, or it's been a while since you've completed your last, 
maybe you've hit, hit a slump or you've lost a little bit of confidence or you're just kind of getting back into it and you want to refresh and you don't really remember how to do it, um, whatever it may be. I'm playing it right here on four sequential Mondays right here on the podcast. So if you want to listen, nothing for you to do. You, you're already in. Just listen. But if you'd like to see the course and you want to access all of the resources, all of the materials that are mentioned in the course, and you want to receive community and personal support from me, go to freerealestateinvestingcourse.com. Freerealestateinvestingcourse.com. And then you can get started there. Ready? So my mentor told me to make it almost free. And as you can probably tell by the domain name, I made it actually free. Actually, it's better than free. Meaning I'm going to pay you to complete the course. That's how badly I want this for you. I'm gonna pay you to complete the course and I'm gonna do that because if you follow it, I know how grateful you'll be once you complete it. And you'll have made me look good through your results. Alrighty, so I'd be happy to pay you for making me look good. And I might even have you here on the podcast to discuss your experience and I'll make you famous and we could become friends, it'll be fantastic. Alrighty, so if you wanna listen, stay right here. We'll get started here in just a second. If you want to see it, you wanna access it and you wanna participate and get support, go to freerealestateinvestingcourse.com. Alrighty, let's get started. Welcome back to uh, lesson three. And right now what we're gonna do is we're gonna take these leads that we generated in the last lesson and we're gonna convert these leads into contracts. We gotta get control of the deal. All right, so let me show you. Actually, you know, I think would be a good idea is let me um, kind of recap real quickly where we are in the process so this all really makes sense for you. I think this will be really helpful. So, you know, back in a couple lessons ago, we started with the, the REI ACE model, right? And in the REIS model, this is what the three pillars of this real estate investing business that you're building, this is how we build the uh, REIS uh, businesses, but it's how we eventually create badass real estate investors, right? So the badass real estate investor has confidence, they know how to make money, and from there, they know how to put it to work for themselves in a way that the money gives them freedom. The type of freedom that real estate promises. That's why we're here in the first place, right? So what we're doing is we're gonna create a, a, a basically a, an introductory version of this so you can get going to get your first deal done. So those are the three components, or that's what we're going to create. And from there, our three pillars are going to attract leads, right? So this is what we did last lesson. Now we're gonna take it and convert those leads into a contract. And once we have the contract, next lesson, we'll go ahead and we'll exit and I'll show you how you get paid basically, okay? So you've heard the expression, you make your money when you buy real estate, right? So this is where we're going to buy between attracting the lead and converting it. Because if you can't attract what you've got, remember, you've got no opportunity. And if you can't convert, you've got no control. And then the next lesson is gonna be really important because if you can't exit, what you've got is no profit, okay? So that's where we were last lesson, this is where we are this lesson. And with that come, there's three profit accelerators for each 
pillar. Okay, so it kind of looks like this we did. Come around this, like this. So we are finding people, let me pull another color for you. We are finding people, property owners, with problems. Remember, we're looking for people that need to sell. No one's gonna sell you their real estate at a discount unless they need to do it. So we're looking for the people with problems. Those are the people that need to sell it because they got a problem. Now, once we got the problems, we're gonna promote our solutions. And that's what we did with our ads and with our audio business card, with the flyers. We, those are how we promote our solutions. And then the third point is to automate. Now with REI Ace, we automate a lot of the, the follow-up, we automate the lead generation, we do a lot of that automation, but in, in, in this context of this course, what we're doing is we're automating you. So you always know exactly what to say. You always know how to seize that opportunity when it presents itself. So you are going to be automated, okay? Now to convert, there's three pillars to converting, and that's what we're gonna go over today, is the first one, you gotta build rapport. Gotta build rapport, because you're dealing with property owners with problems. They've got a situation, and they're, they're a little nervous, they're a little scared, they might be a little bit embarrassed, so they're being very cautious, they don't wanna get hurt, they've got their guard up. That's the, that's the mindset of the person that you're talking to that wants to sell their house. They've got a problem, and they're just not showing up in the best, in the best version of themselves. They're not in the best situation in life, and so you need to be empathetic to that. You need to be sensitive to that. That's your mindset. Remember, you are the problem solver, so you need to go in with that conversation with the seller that you are interviewing the seller. You are assessing the situation, and you're trying to get as much information as you can so you can basically... Um, offer a prescription. So you're getting the diagnosis, the, 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 yeah, I think the diagnosis, that's the right word. Um, you're, you're finding out what's wrong with them. What's, what ails them? Where does it hurt? Where, where, what needs to be scratched? And then you're going to offer the prescription, the solution, right? So that's building rapport. So people in that state, they wanna work with people that they like, they wanna work with people that they trust, and they wanna work with people that they have confidence in their competence. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna show you how to do all of those things rather easily, okay? And then uh, the next is, we've gotta go over how to present your offer, how to present the price and the terms. You see, as a real estate investor, from now on, from this point forward, you are going to do you're going to present your offer in, in a specific way, one of two ways. Whether it's, or it's gonna be your price and the seller's terms, or the seller's price in your terms. Got it? As long as you can control one, you can always make a deal for yourself. So just always think of price and terms, price and terms. It's gonna be like a give and take, okay? And we'll go over that in a second. But then once we got that, that's time to get the signature, okay? If you can't get the signature, then uh, you haven't converted. It's not officially converted into a deal. You don't officially have control until you've got the signature. And then next, uh, tomorrow or the next lesson, we'll go ahead and go over the exit, but we're just gonna focus on this right now, okay? So, where were we? Um, yeah, so these calls are gonna come in. 
So you've done some, you've placed your ads, you've gone out, you've made some friends and some relationships, so you've got some referral calls coming in, you've handed out your, your property flyers, you've got calls coming in from that, you're sending emails out, you've got your super signature, you're getting responses from that, so calls are coming in, and you're gonna have to talk to these sellers. So the objective of these calls, particularly the first call, so we'll call this the, uh, the call objective. The call objective is one, to build, to build rapport, okay? So to build rapport, you've got to be likable. You've got to be trustworthy. And you have to show up as being competent. And I know this is your first deal, right? This is your first deal. You, you have no competence. Or it's been a while and your confidence is a little low. And so you're not feeling very competent in that regard either. Don't worry. I'm going to show you how to, a shortcut to do that. Um, yeah, just a shortcut to, to show the seller that you do know what you're doing. Okay, so don't worry about that part. But that's the first part. You've got to build rapport. Second one is... The second objective of this call is to sort. To sort, you're looking for people that need to sell. You're gonna be talking to a lot of people that want to sell, but you're looking for the people that need to sell you, so you need, you need to sort those. So um, we call the ones that need to sell, we call those, those are the real prospects. The people that want to sell, we call them suspects. And the, the, the people that need to sell, those are the people you're going to help. That's where the discounts are going to be. There'll be some people that want to sell that you'll still be able to help, but you're really looking for the people that need to sell. Okay, so you're going to sort. And then the third thing is, the third objective is you're going to, you've got to set the appointment. Okay, set the appointment. So to set the appointment, that's the call objective. Don't do the, take the amateur move and try to close the deal too fast, right? Because you gotta come over, you gotta build rapport. You're essentially building a relationship and you can't do that in a few minutes, okay? So this, your calls, they could be 20 minutes, 30 minutes long, um, maybe even an hour, depending on the situation. Remember, they got a problem and they're looking for a friend. They're looking for someone that they like because that's who they're gonna give the, the discount to. All right, so let me give you kind of, I'm gonna give you a diagram of what this actually looks like. All right, because this is going to give you, it's going to give you a little bit better context of, of what you're doing here. So I call this the conversion quadrant. And when you first take, start taking these calls, you're going to hear all kinds of things. I mean, I'm going to give you a script. I'm going to give you a framework to work within, but the seller, they don't have this script. They don't have this framework to work within. So you're going to hear all kinds of stuff and you're going to hear certain types of objections and questions right away. They're going to try and take control of the conversation. Not always, but sometimes. And I, and I put a link down below to where, uh, you have answers to the most common objections. But what that kind of does is it puts you in a place where right off the bat, if you're not careful, you can get into this, this adversarial relationship with the seller. Like it's you versus the seller, right? And 
that's just the, the place where you don't want to be because when, when there's an adversarial relationship, there's going to be a winner and there's going to be a loser. And that's a really tough way to work. It, it, it can become really tiring and uh, yeah, it can become exhausting actually. You want to work with the seller. You want to create win-win scenarios. So don't do the amateur move and go in being the adversary, which we call the, don't go in being the bad cop. Okay, you don't want to be the bad cop. The other thing you don't want to do is when it's time to present your price, you don't want it to appear that it's your idea. That's what most people do. They figure out, okay, so this is a $100,000 property. The most I can pay for it is $60,000. So seller, that's what it is. I'll give you $60,000. That's the most I'm going to pay. You don't want to do that either because that is going to create some resistance. So the wrong way to do this is to have the offer appear to be your idea, okay? So you don't want to be the bad cop. You don't want it to be your idea. What you'd rather do is you want to go the other way, the other end of the spectrum. You want to be the good cop, okay? You want to align yourself with the seller. You want to be on the same side as the seller. You want to be on the same team as the seller. Remember, they've got a problem. They're calling you for a solution. So you two have to work together to solve that problem. And together you will. But the only thing, the only reason you won't, and the only thing that'll get in your way is the market, okay? So the market is gonna be the bad cop. You are gonna be the good cop, got it? Now, with regard to your idea, the offer being your idea, you wanna make it their idea. You wanna position it so that they come up with the price in terms that they're gonna to sell to you. Okay, so you wanna make it their idea. Okay, so you wanna be the good cop and make it their idea. You don't wanna do what everyone else does. All, all the newer investors, you can do business over in, over in this area, but it gets really difficult because let me show you. When you go in as the bad cop, the adversary, it's you versus the seller, and you say, this is how much I can pay. What you're gonna get is a lot of resistance from the seller, okay? And ultimately it's gonna end up in no deal. Every once in a while you get a seller that's in such distress and they're so motivated that you might still be able to do the deal here. But for the most part, it's gonna be a lot of resistance. Okay. Now, the next part where the amateurs play is they come up here. They go in as the adversary, but they're so, they're so hungry to get a deal that they kind of let the seller run the show. They let them control it. And the seller says, I'm not gonna sell this property to you for less than $90,000, take it or leave it. And the new investor is like, well, um, at least I'll have a deal, I have a contract, and I'll feel like I accomplished something. And that's what happens up here. And when, you, when that goes on, what you get is you get a real, we call an arrogant seller. They think they're your boss. They're in control of the whole situation. You are not in control, okay? You, you are doing this deal in spite of yourself. They don't, might not have any other options, but they understand that they're in a position like, take it or leave it. And just because you want the deal so badly, or it's been so long since you've done a deal, you gotta get one. You go ahead and you, you acquiesce. You give them the seller what they want. And what happens here, this whole transaction begins to be, or becomes a real struggle, if you even get to close the deal at all. 
okay? Sometimes you can make some money up here, um, but it's really tough. The odds are really far against you, almost more so than even down here. Because even if, if you get the seller to accept your offer, at least you got a deep enough discount. But if you're in contract up here, it's really tough to close. All right. The next place is, you like the idea of being a good cop, right? You're totally with me. Matt, this sounds good. This sounds much better. It sounds like I'm actually helping people. We're gonna go in and create win-win scenarios. But you don't know how to position it in the way that the seller comes up with it. So you kind of still come up with the price, right? It's still gonna be your idea. And now you can do deals down here because the seller's gonna like you, and that's really important. They're gonna recognize that you're on their side, but what, since you've come up with the offer, what they're gonna come up with, or um, what they're gonna be, is they're gonna be doubtful. Okay, they got a lot of concern. They're going with you, because they need you, they like you, but they're not quite sure because it was your idea. And what you're gonna get are really, you're gonna get a lot of questions, and it's gonna go slow. It's gonna be slow transactions, right? Now, if you go in and you do this right, and you are the good cop, um, we're here to create a win-win scenario, we're here to solve your, your, uh, your problem, and you position it in a way that the seller says, well, based on what you share with me and this and that, uh, yeah, let's just sell it for this so we can get through this. When you make it their idea, you get cooperative sellers. You get cooperative sellers. You want to work with cooperative sellers. And what happens is the transactions, they become easy. They become easy. So when you're out there and you're negotiating with a seller and you're, and you're working through your transactions, and if things aren't going smoothly, they're not going the way that you want them to go, stop and analyze which quadrant am I working in? Am I down here being the bad cop if it's all my idea or if, did they come up with the offer and I just need the deal really badly so I went ahead and, and went against my better judgment and did the deal anyway? Or you know, did I come over here and I was trying to help them but I really, I had to just like really kind of force the price on them for them to see it and they're becoming, they're really doubtful and the thing's going slow or they're just cooperating and things are moving along nice and easy. Okay, so that gives you a kind of, kind of a, I guess, a, a compass, to, so to speak, to, to analyze where you are in the deal. So we want to operate up here. And I'm going to show you exactly how to do that, okay? All right. Um, so we got our call objectives. We're on the call to build rapport. We're going to sort between prospects and suspects, those that need to sell and those that want to sell. We're going to set the appointment. I put a list of all the common objections down below. There's a little link there with the, all those and your responses. Go ahead and take a look at that. Now it's time when you're on this call, what are you actually going to say? You know your objective. This is your objective, right? What are you actually going to say? Perfect. Glad you asked. Here is what we call the nine-point seller interview. Actually, let me move this so it doesn't shine through. Okay. The nine-point seller interview. And what this is, it's a framework for the conversation. It's not necessarily a script, although you can treat it like one if you want to. It has ideas for some questions there, but it's a framework. And then it's, it's the, it takes the whole conversation, splits it up into nine sections. So we want to make sure that we cover everything. And with this framework, you are going to build rapport. You are going to become likable. And the seller, by the time you're done with this interview, they're going to have confidence in your competence. All right, so let's go through it really quickly and I'll show you how this works. All right, so 
Box number one, what we're going to do is we're going to set the stage. Okay, so they call and say, hey, I heard you could help me out, or hey, I saw one of your ads, and um, I need to sell my house. Fantastic. Most of the time, people who call us want to know how much they can get for their property and how everything works. Do you have similar types of questions as those? All right, you're going to take control right off the bat. The person asking the questions is the person that's controlling the conversation. All right. Uh, next is, once they say, yes, I do have those questions. Great. Do you have a few minutes or so to answer some basic questions about your property? So, so you're, again, you're asking them a question. They're going to say, yes. Okay, super. After, I'll give you some options, and then you can simply tell me what you'd like to do. Is that fair? So what you've just done is you've set the stage. You've exhibited that, I know why you're calling. Most people that call me, they want to know the price. They want to know how this works. Is that this, your situation too? Perfect. We've done this before. I'm just going to have some basic questions about, about your property. Is it okay if I ask those? Great. And after we're done, I'll go ahead and give you some options, and then you can choose which way we want to go. Is that fair? All right. So you've just set the stage. You've totally exhibited competence. And all of a sudden, you, you, you sound likable and, and so far, so good. All right. So that's box one. Next, right here in number box two, you want to get the seller's information right up front, okay? And sometimes they're a little bit reluctant of giving that to you depending on how they found you. But uh, this is how you do it. May I have your full name and property address, please? What's the best phone number for you? And where would you like us to email our contact information to? So we want to make sure that we can put them in your CRM or put them on your spreadsheet as an actual contact, as a seller. So you need their name, phone number, and email address. Right? And that's just a, a way of, a non-threatening way of asking for all of that information. Next, about the property. Okay, so perfect. Now I'm going to run through some quick questions about the property. You'll notice this, and you're going to notice this pattern over and over again, and you want to get used to doing this, is you want to tell them what's about to happen. You want to set their expectations. You want to tell them what you're going to do. And if you tell them that up front, when you actually do it, you it brings down the guard, there's less resistance, okay? And you get a lot more cooperation from the seller. So that's what this box number three. Perfect, now I'm gonna run through some quick questions about the property. Uh, question one, what's the general condition of the house? And these are, these, these questions, you don't have to um, ask every single one of these. These are just ideas of questions to ask. A lot of times when you ask the question, they're gonna answer the next three or four automatically without you ever having to ask them. So just kind of let it flow, okay? You've talked to people before, you know how to do this. Just go with the flow. And if you go off into some far tangent somewhere and you start talking about your, your kid's little league team or the vacation that you guys coincidentally took at the same place last year, you know, go ahead and go for it. Go wherever the conversation leads you. And then when it's time to get back down to business, like when that part of the conversation uh, comes to a natural close, just jump back into the next box. All right, so it's gonna keep you on track and it's also gonna create that rapport, create that relationship, okay? So here's a bunch of different questions. What's the general condition of the house? Um, do, do you, does it need any repairs? If they, you get any resistance, does it need any repairs? This is a question I like to ask. Well, if it doesn't need any repairs, but let me ask you, if you were gonna stay another 10 years, what types of repairs would you do? Right, it's just a nice way of asking. Um, is anyone living in the property right now? What does it or would it rent for? Is there anything else you think I should know about the property? Okay, so just basic questions. You don't have to ask them all. Like I said, you ask one, they're gonna answer three or four of them automatically. Four, box number four, this is really important. What's the motive? Why are they selling? Remember, the foundation of every deal lies within the seller's motivation to sell. So you wanna know why they're selling. You wanna keep, it, 
and you're going to keep asking. And the reason you're going to keep asking is because they're not always going to tell you the whole truth right away, if they tell you the truth at all right away. So each time you ask, you get a little bit more out of it. So you'll notice as we go through this process, you'll be asking more and more, uh, why are you selling? Oh, I forgot. Why is it selling? And, and when do you need to be there? And what da 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 So you're going to ask all these why questions. So right here. Um, okay, so great. After you got information about the property, it's, uh, well, this sounds like a property that might work for us. Uh, why are you thinking about selling it? Okay, they'll tell you. And then how long have you been thinking about it? So you're gonna find out how long their problem has been a problem. And then next you're gonna ask, have you considered calling a realtor? Now, a lot of people get a little bit nervous about asking this question because they feel like they've just suggested that they should go call a realtor and they're gonna go call a realtor and you're not gonna have the deal. No. What, if that's the case, you wanna know that right now anyway. You don't wanna go through this whole process and they eventually say, well, you know, I think I'm just gonna call a realtor. No, you'd rather have that information right now. But even more importantly, what this question does, it reveals more about why they are selling. No, I don't wanna deal with no realtor, or I don't have the time to deal with a realtor. You wanna know that type of stuff. Because you're like, okay, it's urgent. They don't wanna deal with a realtor. They don't like realtors. This is my deal. So I get to take care of them. I don't have to worry about losing this deal to a realtor. So all those different things can happen by asking that question. It reveals a whole lot. Next, <clears throat> encumbrances. This means, um, is there anything against the property? Like, is there any taxes due, any judgments, any liens? Is there a mortgage? So we ask that. And then we ask, do you have a rough idea of how much that would be? Okay. And so you want to know that. If there's a mortgage on there, if there's some taxes, anything like that, you want to know that because that's going to affect the value. It's going to affect your offer. Six, property's value, right? Remember, this is an interview. You are assessing this situation and you are interviewing the seller. You want to know for your sake and for the sake of putting together a good deal and solving their problem, you wanna know everything that the seller knows. So this is not the time to be extracting, or excuse me, offering your opinion and, and, tell, and, and demonstrating how much you know about the market and no, it's not worth this, it's worth that because this house over here sold for that. And a lot, of, a lot of new investors, they do that because they feel like that's their crutch to exhibit what they know and it's, it kind of wields their, their power over the situation. Don't do that. You're just there to be helpful. You're just asking questions. Okay, so this is a really good way to ask it. Okay, great. So I think I got some information about the property. What I'm going to do is I'm going to check the most current market conditions. But do you have an idea as to what properties like yours are selling for? She was asking, do you have an idea of what properties like yours are selling for? And they're going to say, uh, no. Or they're going to say, yeah, the house next door is just sold for $200,000. You want to know what they know. Okay, so that's kind of your a, a, a nice way, an indirect way of assessing how much they're probably expecting for the house, how much they think it's worth, okay? Um, next question is, after you've asked them that, it's what's the lowest price that you might consider for your property? So right there, you're making this assumption that if the house next door sold for 200,000, okay, great, that's good. Um, what is the lowest price you would take for your house? Assuming that, well, you're not getting 200, and that's kind of what they're assuming too. Well, I, you know, I'd be okay with 180, you might get an answer like that, okay? Then the next question is, so 180, got it. Is that at all negotiable? So those are the sequence of those three questions when you get to the property's value. And you're not gonna pass judgment, you're not gonna make a face, you're just gonna just ask the questions. And whatever they answer, you're gonna, you're gonna go ahead and scribble that down, okay? So take a note of it. Next, seven, problem check-in, okay? What you wanna do here now is you wanna go and summarize the whole conversation that you just had with the seller. You know, one of the, the 
habits of the highly effective people out of the book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective Peoples. First, seek to understand, then be understood. So right now, you're going through this whole process, this whole conversation you had, you're going to relive it, you're going to uh, summarize the whole conversation to just make sure that you understand them and you want to make sure that they feel understood. Okay? So go ahead and check in. And then uh, seller expectations, after they've told you everything. So Mr. and Mrs. Seller, uh, what you're saying is you've got a three bedroom, two bath house, it needs some repairs, it probably needs a new roof, there's nobody living here right now, you think it'll rent for 1500 bucks. Um, the reason you're selling is because you've just got relocated in your job and you need to get over to across the country within the next 30 days. Is that right? Did I miss anything? Okay, so that's how you've checked in with the problem. They say, nope, you've got it all. Sounds good and great. So what would you like to have happen? That's the question right there. And you want to ask that question because you don't want to assume you know what's best for them. And new investors, when they've never purchased a property at a deep discount or ever been given a property before, because it happens, you're ne that's never going to happen for you until you allow the seller to actually tell you what they want. Because what you think they want might not be what they actually want. What they actually want might be easier for you to provide than what you're thinking that they want. You got it? All right, so what would you like to have happen? And then just be quiet. Just shut up and listen. Great. So when they say that, perfect. So if I or anyone else could make that happen, would this be a later or a sooner thing? If I or anyone else could make that happen, would this be a later or a sooner thing? Sort are of very key words, okay? Would this be a later or a sooner thing? And they're gonna tell you how urgent this is for them. Well, I need to do it right away. I'd like to have this thing sold yesterday. See, you're constantly peeling back the layers of that onion, revealing their motivation and what the sense of urgency is. You're separating them from someone that wants to sell to someone that needs to sell, or vice versa, okay? So this is, this is part of the interview process. And then, the last question is, um, if they say sooner thing, great, how soon is sooner, is what you'd wanna ask. Uh, but if they say a later thing, or okay, what'd you say, 30 days, 90 days, sometime further out? So if, if it's out, like, oh, I don't need to move till, you know, six months from now. Summer would be fine. Or around the holidays would be fine. Something that's far away, then uh, I stop. I stop right there. It's like, well, gosh, so far out. Why me? And why now? Again, the why questions. You'll find out why they called you. And it's going to reveal a lot more information. Okay? So there, you're done with the interview. Now it's time to make this transition, remember? So our goal was to uh, build rapport, to sort, and then the third thing was of the objective of this call is to set the appointment. Now we've got, we've built rapport, we've decided whether they want to sell or need to sell, so we've decided if they're a prospect or a suspect. Now it's time to set the appointment with those that need to sell. It's time to set the appointment with the prospects, right? So we do something what's called a transition agreement. And you're gonna use this frequently in, in this whole transaction, in every transaction. So it's a transition agreement. It's when you're transitioning from the phone call to the appointment. And essentially what you're doing is you're gonna be setting the expectations again. You're gonna tell the seller what's going to happen. And then you wanna reassure them that it's okay if this isn't a good fit for you, you can tell me so. All right, so this is the exact wording. Um, sounds good, but I'm not sure if I'll be able to help you or not. The market conditions will have more to say on that 
more to say on that. So what that's saying is, I'm not sure if I can help you or not. I'm not sure if I can help you or not, the good cop. The market is gonna, be, is gonna have more say on that whether I can or can't. Got it? So I don't know if I'll be able to help, but I'm certainly gonna try. The only thing that's gonna get in my way is the market. Got it? So this is one thing I can tell you. When I come over to take a look at the house, if I decide that this is not going to be a good fit for me, because you know I can't buy them all, and if I get over there and I, as soon as I know it's not going to be a good fit, I'm going to let you know that. Is that fair? All right, so you're letting them know that I don't need to buy this. Uh, it might be a good fit, might not be. I'm going to come over there, and if it's not a good fit, I'm going to tell you right away. So what are you doing right now? You're developing trust. You're developing this, this relationship that I don't need to buy this. I'm here to try and help you. And if I can, I'm going to. But if I can't, it's going to be the market's fault. Got it? So... Um, if I can't, if it's not going to be a good fit, I'm going to let you know. And what I'm going to ask for in return is if at any moment you think it's not going to be a good fit, do you promise to let me know? Got that? So you're giving them permission to say no. It's what's called a release statement. See, see, you're never going to get a true yes from anybody in any scenario or any capacity unless you give them the ability to say no, unless you give them the permission to say no. And you're giving them the permission to say no. I got the permission to say no, and I'll tell you no if it doesn't work. But I want to give you that same permission as well, right? It's building trust. It's making you likable, right? It's building relationship, right? So, um, so perfect. I can come over later today or first thing in the morning. Which time will work best for you? All right. So you're just gonna give them two times. I would say try to get over there as soon as you possibly can. So if it's in the afternoon, I can come over tonight. Or if it's at nighttime, I can come over first thing in the morning or maybe later in the afternoon. Give them two different play, uh, options to choose from. Got it? So that's the seller, the nine-point seller interview. So with that, I just want you to follow the steps. And, and I want you to listen more than you speak. Remember, it's an interview. Can't interview somebody very well if you're talking all the time. So I want you to interview. I want you to listen one-third. Let them talk two-thirds of the time. That's the rule, right? Don't worry about being perfect, okay? Um, the seller did not just watch a free course on how to sell their house fast to an investor, right? They don't know if you're doing it right. They don't know if you're doing it wrong. They're nervous, they're all in their own world. They don't know if you're messing up. So don't worry about you being perfect. And if you get lost, just lean into the framework. It's there to keep you on track, right? So if you lean into this and you follow this, you're gonna come out by the time you reach box number nine, you'll be likable, you'll be trustworthy, and that seller is gonna have confidence in your competence. Even it being your very first time. They're gonna, wow, they know more than I do. So let's do it, okay? That's how the framework works. That's how the interview works. Now something I wanna let you know that, uh, to expect. So you set the seller's expectations, let me set your expectations. You're gonna run into pretty much four types of people, okay? Four types of sellers. And some, in, in every capacity, it goes out when, when you're talking to the people on, um, when you're calling through Craigslist, you're calling the buyers, you're calling the sellers, when you're going to your networking events, when you're going to your RIA meetings, when you're going to your chamber of commerce meetings, when you're going to all those places, you're talking to all these people, the people that you're gonna to talk to are gonna fall into four categories. I'm gonna specifically address this to, to the sellers you're gonna to talk to. And rather than just, we're just going to use something to categorize them. We're just going to use something very 
non-threatening, very uh, apolitical. We'll just use fruit, okay? So we're gonna use apples. So you've got red apples. And you've got green apples. You've got, that's a brown apple. And then you have what we call rotten apples, okay? So your red apples, the red apples, these are the, the sellers that need to sell, okay? The red apples are the people that need to sell. The green apples are the ones that they want to sell, okay? And motivation isn't quite there to be red. They don't need it as much, but they still want to sell. So that's good. Brown apples, these are the sellers, we call them. They're curious. Maybe, maybe not, don't know. Not making any commitment today, maybe tomorrow. Just kind of curious, what's this all about? Who are you? I got referred to you, I saw your ad, saw this flyer, what's this all about, right? So those are curious people. Then you have your rotten apples. We just call them, I don't know, I refer to them as crazy, all right? Crazy people, they're negative, they're, they're angry, they're ornery, something's going on in their life, they're just pissed off, um, they don't like the way your flyer looked, they don't like the way your ad looked, um, they just, they're mad, okay? So, but these are the four categories. So as you're going through, and you're talking to people, I would say, of all the people you talk to, probably only 3% are gonna be red apples. Just 3% will be red apples. Of the, people, the green apples, about 12%, okay? This is approximations, and this will vary over, over large groups of people, but that's essentially how it's gonna pan out. The curious people, it's gonna be most people. It's gonna be 70%. And some of them might end up being green and some of them might end up being rotten. We don't know, All right? But 70% 70, 70 will be curious. And so crazy people, it's probably about 10 to 15% of the people out there are gonna be angry people you don't wanna deal with. People that are gonna upset you. People that um, are gonna, you know, put you in a bad mood. So you just wanna stay away from them, okay? So let me give you the, the recipe for success. The recipe for success, I want you to spend, as far as how you divide your time, I want you to spend 90% of your time with red apples. Spend 90% of your time with red apples. With the green apples, and spend 10% of your time. 90% with the red, 10% with the green. How much time do we got left? Not a whole lot more time, right? So I don't want you to spend really any time especially as we're going after your first deal. Don't spend any time with the brown apples, okay? The rotten apples, I want you to, see if you can. Ignore them, okay? Just flat out ignore them. Don't, don't come to our support desk, don't come to help complaining about the, the rotten apples, because what we're gonna say is, what do you do with rotten apples? You ignore them, right? then why are we talking about them? 
So this is the recipe for success. Let me show you how people fail. Let me show you how people quit and they give up in this business when they say this real estate thing, it doesn't work, okay? And that's a bunch of baloney, by the way. It's worked for more people than anything else ever will is in, in creating wealth, okay? Or anything that ever has. I don't know what's coming around the corner. Maybe something better than real estate. But until that happens, it's all about real estate. It's got the track record. It's created wealth for more people than anything else, any other industry, any other investment vehicle. So don't tell me it doesn't work. This is why it's not going to work for you if it doesn't work. People that... Um, Coming into this business and it doesn't work, what they end up doing is they spend 100% of their time with the brown apples trying to force them to be red. Don't do that, okay? This is the recipe for failure. And then on top of that, what they do with the rotten apples, all they do, they can't forget them. They focus on the, the rotten apples. They say everybody's mean and angry. Nobody's, everyone's nasty out there. This doesn't work. Don't do that, okay? 90% with the red, 10% with the green, no time with the brown, and ignore the rotten. Got it? Can you do that? That's the recipe right there. That's the formula. I gave you the formula for failure. I gave you the formula for success, okay? So, what's next? Okay, so you are going over to the property, you set an appointment with the seller. You know, you might set that at um, maybe at a Starbucks or a restaurant or, or, or maybe it's at your office or something convenient. Uh, I would recommend don't go to their office because you do need to see the inside of the house. Um, so you're gonna have to see the inside of the house at some point. So might as well just do your best to make it, hey, I need to come see the inside of the house. Can't buy a house without seeing the condition. You wouldn't buy a house, Mr. Seller, if you, if you didn't know the, what the inside looked like, right? So. Yeah, I'm the same way. I can't do that either. So try to get into the house, okay? That's where you want to set the appointment. What we're going to do, we've got the appointment set. Now we're going to do a little bit of preparation, okay? We'll do a little bit of preparation. And we've got this called the seller information sheet, okay? And this is going to be information going to find out about the property. So uh, you can put... Um, You'll put the, like the seller's name there, their phone number, you got their email, you got all that. And then uh, you can put all the basic property information that you got, the address, the bedroom, the square footage, all this basic stuff. What you wanted to go find now is you wanna find out the comps, the comparables. What that means is what are properties comparable to the one you're about to go look at, what have they sold for recently? In, within the same area, like their property, and um, within a reasonable amount of time, like, I don't know. You try to get ni within 90 days, the more current, the better. Sometimes, depending on the area, you might have to go out six months, you might even have to go out to a year sometimes to find a comparable sale. And what we're gonna look for is we're gonna look for three or four of those transactions, those recently sold, and we're just gonna take an average of whatever they sold for, and that's gonna give us a ballpark idea of what the value of this house is. Because we don't wanna go in totally blind. This doesn't mean this is what we're gonna offer at. It doesn't mean this is ultimately what the value is going to be. It's just gonna give us an idea. It's gonna give us a ballpark of where, kind of what we don't wanna spend more than, of course. I mean, obviously we wanna buy it at a discount. It's just gonna give us an idea of what the approximate value is, right? So this is how we do that. All right, so I'm just gonna go over to Zillow. It's just kind of the, the household name. If you have a source that you like better for looking up at real estate information, feel free, go ahead and use it. Um, I'll just use this for a quick example here. If we took, uh, uh, let's just say, Kansas City 
Missouri. Okay, I'm just going to pick any old random house, um, just because I don't have an address ready. All right, so there we go, 4408 Independence Avenue. So if I click this right here with Zillow, they're going to give me their opinion of value. They say it's worth about 72000 Okay, so that's what Zillow says. So that's fine, I'll keep note of that. Was this it right here? That's it right there. All right, so what I'm going to do, this is a two bed, one bath at 1,400 square feet. So I'm gonna come over here, and this is what the stuff is for sale. This is stuff that hasn't sold yet. So we don't know if it's worth that or not, because it's still waiting to be sold. Um, we're only really concerned with what has sold, what, what someone came along and validated the price, where the market validated the price. Someone pulled out their checkbook, they wrote a check and said, yes, it's worth that, and they confirmed it. So that's what we're looking for. So we'll just take off the sales, we'll take off these potential listings, and I just want to look for what's recently sold, okay? So that was a single family. Let's make sure we're only looking at houses, because that's what's comparable, right? And that was what? Two bed, one bath. Here we go. Uh, here's a, it was one bath. Where's the bed? Oh, here's the bedrooms. Two over here. And it was like 1,400 square feet. So we'll just take like, uh, eh, we're kind of already there. So here's 1,300 to 1,500 square feet. And we'll see if we can do that in the last 90 days. See what kind of gives us to us there. All right. So we're down here somewhere. So just for the sake of making this easy, I'll kind of zoom in here. And I see kind of a wider range. So I see a 34,000, a 4.2 of only 4,200. Here's a 33,000. Okay. So let's go back a little bit more, see if we can get a little bit more data. Probably not the best area if a house is selling for a thousand bucks in here, right? That's what I'm guessing. That's what you get when you just go random. Okay, but hey, this is a real world example, so I would be looking at it. So I would know there's a 4,000, a 12,000, a 34,000. What's this one? Doesn't give me a number there. All right. Okay, so say this is our little cluster. Let's drop the lowest, drop the highest. So we've got, if I come back over here, I'm gonna take, so we got one that's 4,000. I got one that's uh, 12,000. And let's say we drop the lowest one, so we'll take 10,000 and then 20,000. So we'll take 10 and 20. So say those were our comps, okay? Probably not the best example, but that's what we got. Uh, it'll work the same. Uh, relatively with that, whatever you're looking at. So I got 20, 10, so there's probably 15, so that takes down to 14, I don't know, maybe maybe $10,000, right? Yeah, so maybe our, our comp is 10 grand. So I might be going into the seller's appointment like, okay, I'm kind of thinking 10 grand. It's really gonna greatly depend on the on the, the condition. I'd probably dig deeper and just look at the pictures through these properties to see what type of condition they were in, just so I had a little mental image, a mental note of when I go into this property, I'll know exactly what I'm looking at. Okay, and then uh, go ahead and fill in whatever they said the rent was here and any notes that were pertinent that you got in the, uh, and during that phone conversation, you'll put those there, okay? So, now you're going in. You are prepared. We've got our transition agreement. So we had a transition agreement when we 
left the phone call to set the appointment. Now we're showing up at the appointment, about to start the appointment. And that transition agreement is, remember, it's we're going to set expectations. We're going to tell them about what, about what we're going to do. And we're going to let them know that, hey, if this isn't a good from, fit for me, I'm going to let you know. And if it's not a good fit for you at any time, you tell me no as well. Okay? So that's basically how it works. So, Mr. Seller, great. Um, I'd love to take a look at your property. I'd love for you to show me around. Um, please point out anything that you think might directly or indirectly impact the property's value. Um, anything that you think I should know, uh, anything important about the property, please let me know that. And while we go through, I'm going to ask you some questions. I'm going to ask you all of these questions that I have on these sheets. In fact, are on this sheet. In fact, I, I'm going to read them right off the paper just to make sure that I don't forget anything because I don't want to miss anything that might cost you some money or, or cost you uh, an opportunity. Would that be okay if I just read them right off the sheet? Because they're the same questions I ask everybody, so I'm just going to read them off here. Is that okay with you? Right? You got permission. So now you don't even need to memorize these questions. You've got, you got permission to read them right off there. Okay? And then say, so I just want to remind you that as we go through and I'm asking these questions, you're pointing out and sharing the house with me and, and telling me everything that I need to know about it. If at any point I just feel like, you know what, this isn't going to be a good fit, I, I, I can't buy them all, uh, and I'm not going to waste our time, I'm going to let you know that right away. Okay, is that fair? And, and at the same time, if, if, you, if we're going through this and you're not feeling good about it and you don't like the way it's going and uh, if you don't want to move along any further and you want to stop, you've got permission to do that. Will you let me know that? Great. Okay, so let's go ahead and let's get started. So that's it. And I just go through and you've got full permission. They know exactly what's going to happen. Now you know what's going to happen, right? So you've set the expectations for the seller and if this is your first time, you set them for yourself. Now you just go through and, ah, nice bedroom, nice kitchen. Ah, got it. And here I got some questions here. What's, why are you selling? Does the house need any repairs? If, if it does need any repairs, have you had it looked at? Do you have an idea of how much it would be? Um, you know, what are your immediate cash needs? Is the house listed with a realtor? So all these questions are right here. You can just read them right off the paper. So now you come, you're done, right? You've taken the whole tour, you've got all your questions answered, and now it's time to um, come up with the price and terms to present the offer. Okay? So, again, transition agreement. Mr. Seller, Mrs. Seller, um, I think I got everything that I need to know, and uh, you know, what I need to go do is kind of look and see what the market's doing and then uh, come back and, and see what it's going to allow us to do. Got that? I'm going to go look and see what the market's doing. This is your first deal. Don't, you don't have to write an offer right there on the spot. But your objective here is to get a, the property under contract as soon as possible. Okay? The more you do this, the better you'll be able to do it on the spot. But don't put a bunch of pressure on yourself right now at this very first meeting or even the first dozen. Don't put the pressure on yourself to, um, to, to come up with a number and get under contract. I don't want you to get under contract on the wrong number. Okay? We can get ballpark. Ballpark is good. But if we're way off base, bad. Okay? So you can just kind of excuse yourself. Okay, great. I think I got all the information I need. Let me go see what the market's doing, and then I'm going to see what it's going to allow us to do. Okay? So us. It's going to allow us to do. The market, the bad cop, is, might get in the way. Let's see what it's going to allow us to do. All right? So your objective here is to get this property under contract. This is really important. First of all, Understand that you'll never get it under contract. 
unless you present a written offer. So your objective, whether you do it right there on the spot or you go back to your office or down to the Starbucks at the corner to present your offer, do your research to present your offer, you have to present it in writing, okay? Regardless of what you've communicated with the seller back and forth verbally, the dynamics change completely once the offer is in writing. So that's the first part because everything changes once it's in writing, it becomes real. You get true consideration from the seller once it's in writing. The second thing is, if you don't have it in writing, they can't sign it, meaning you will never do a deal unless you're actually presenting the offer. So your goal is to present an offer at every single appointment that you have. So that's the objective. Now, why do we want to do this? Let me show you this example. Let's say, we'll say that's the Mona Lisa, okay? The Mona Lisa is coming up for auction and you heard about this, and so did all the auction houses in the area, and all the auction houses are vying for the opportunity because they wanna sell the Mona Lisa because there's gonna be a healthy commission attached to the sale of this. So we'll take two auction houses, the two contenders. They have auction house A and auction house B, okay? Now auction house A, Auction House A, this is a, a, an auction house that's been in business for generations. It's a family-run business. They're a household name in the local area. They're, uh, they're especially a household name when it comes to um, selling and, and buying these, these, um, these really expensive, elaborate items. And they've got a huge database, a huge network. They've got all kinds of marketing dollars. And anytime they, they come up and, and they have something to auction off, they've got all the power they can put they can just fill the house, okay? These X's, these just represent people, okay? They can put the butts in the seats like nobody's business. They can fill this house. Now, Auction House B, they heard about this opportunity to sell the Mona Lisa, and they said, what a great start, what a great launch to, to our business this would be if we could sell the Mona Lisa. How much, that could be a massive windfall, and we could be in business and establish ourselves. So they go out, they get, uh, open up their little LLC, they buy their business license, they go and rent the, the property and, and they rent the building and they start, um, they got a little bit of money left over for their marketing and when it came down to it, they got one person to show up to their auction. They got one person to show up for the auction. Now, if you were the owner, if you were the owner of the Mona Lisa, which auction house would you want to, to win this, this bid for, to, for the right to uh, auction off the Mona Lisa? You're the owner, you're the seller, right? You want auction house A, don't you? Yeah, because you want all of these people to bid against each other to drive up the price as high as possible because this is your Mona Lisa, that's how much money you're gonna put in your pocket. So the more people that are bidding for this, the better, right? Now, if you're the buyer, who are you hoping wins this opportunity to, to, to auction off the Mona Lisa? You're hoping auction house B, right? And you're hoping that that's you, right? So if you're the seller, you want this house. If you're the buyer, you want this auction house to win. So right now, in this scenario that we've been talking about, you are the buyer, right? You're the buyer. And when you put a property under contract, this is why your objective is to get this property under contract. Because when you put this property under contract, this is you in this house. You're the buyer under contract, it's you. And when you put that under contract, 
You lock the door. How do you do the little keyhole? You lock the door and none of these people here, none of them can get in. That's you, that's your opportunity. So that's what a purchase agreement does in real estate. And that's why you wanna get a property under contract. That's why you always wanna put it in writing because you'll never get it under contract unless you do put it in writing. Got it? So it's very key, it's very important. That's the objective of that meeting. So the objective of the call is to build rapport, it's to sort, and it's to set the appointment. When you're at the appointment, is to build more rapport, is to collect all the data that you possibly can, the information from the seller to really find out their motivation as to why they're selling, and then it's to get the property under contract. Got it? Perfect, so there is the purchase agreement. Let me make sure that you can see that. There it is, there she blows, okay? Put that over there, purchase agreement. And so this is how you're gonna do this. Also down below, there is a script on how you present and get consent. Present and get consent. And if you use this wording exactly how it's written here, it's gonna keep you in this upper right-hand quadrant. Up to this point, we're still here, aren't we? Yep, we've been the good cop the whole way. We blamed the market on everything. So we come back, we've got our, an idea of how much we're going to offer and now it's time to present. Here's our, what we call our quick and dirty math formula. You take this two-part, you take this two-part um, close, so to speak, right? You met with the seller, you got everything figured out, and now you're going to go down the street and you're gonna hash out the numbers, you're gonna see what the market's doing, you gotta figure out what you can offer, okay? So, here's the quick and dirty math. You're gonna start with your comp, so that comp was Where'd our sheet go? It was what, 10,000 bucks is what we kind of came up with, I think. So it's, this was really a bad example of a house. We'd like to start with a little bit higher price point, but this is what we did, and so let's just keep it congruent. So 10,000 is what we call our fair market value, okay? And from here, we have to minus what we have for repairs. So say after we looked at the house, there was um, $3,000 of repairs. Then we have to subtract profit, okay? And we wanna look at profit in two ways. We wanna divide up into in a portion, or into two separate portions, pieces of pie, so to speak. Is one, it, one piece is yours, one piece of the profit is yours. The other piece that you wanna leave just in case is for another investor that you might sell this property to. And we're gonna to get to that part, how to do that. But I just want you to have that in mind. You wanna be prepared for that person. So if it's another investor, what do they wanna make? Why are they in this business? They wanna make money too. So you have to leave a little meat on the bone, so to speak. You have to leave a little extra equity there for that seller, or for, excuse me, for that buyer, for that other investor, if you wanna be able to sell this and get a piece for yourself. Okay, again, until the next lesson, I'll show you exactly how to do that, but that's just the mindset. You want a piece for you and you wanna save a little piece for somebody else. So say there's 3,000 in repairs, that's what this is. Okay, and then maybe another 3K for, uh, that's profit one. Okay, that's your other person, and then you'd be good with uh, 3K of your own, okay? 
and that's your profit. <laughs> Again, this was really crazy starting with a $10,000 house, but that's just kind of what we ended up with. It was totally impromptu there. So what this would be is 10,000 minus three minus three minus three equals the most we could pay for this property is $1,000, okay? So that's kind of what the market has said that we could uh, pay for this property is $1,000. Again, the amount doesn't matter. The principle is all the same. So now we'll go to this script. Now you're going to present the offer. You've got your idea. You're leaving Starbucks. You're going back to the seller. Hey, I've got something for you. Let me come over and show you with, with you what I found. Okay, so this script right here is very key because it's going to keep you in this upper right-hand quadrant of our conversion quadrant. It's gonna keep you as being the good guy and it's gonna make the offer their idea. Yeah, the seller is gonna look at this and say, wow, yeah, I think we should sell it at $1,000. This is how you do that. So, Mr. Seller, the current market conditions have your property's value right around $10,000, okay? So that was our starting point. So just, we'll keep this script the same, so $10,000. And based off what you, what you shared with me about the repairs needed, and then making room for a small profit for myself, what you're saying is we're right around $1,000. Is that right? You got that. So based off what the market is saying, is your pro uh, the property is worth right around $10,000. Then based off what you shared with me about repairs, $3,000. Then after carving out just a small profit for myself, what you're saying, Mr. Seller, is that we're right around $1,000. Is that fair? So you position that whole thing, bad cop, their idea, bad cop, their idea, and you slid in, and then after carving out a small profit for myself, what you're saying is we're right around $1,000. See the wording right there? It's very specific. And once you ask that, is this fair? Then just shut up and listen and wait. Got it? So you're just gonna wait. So if they agree, boom, get the contract signed. If they don't agree, don't take the amateur route. Don't stop there, okay? You got more room to play. Okay, so based off what the market is saying and what you did share with me, what is the lowest number you would accept, okay? So based off what the market shared with us, what the market is saying and what you shared with me, what is the lowest price you would accept? And you shut up and you listen, you wait. And the seller's gonna say, well, I can't see myself taking anything less than $2,000, okay? Their idea, they said $2,000, right? Still their idea. Now you have a decision to make. If that's a good deal for you, if you still think that's a good deal and you can make that happen, get the contract signed. If $2,000 is too high for you, then go ahead and we'll, we'll roll it up again and we'll, we'll ask again, okay? So if $2,000 is good, you're gonna get the contract signed. If you, if you guys don't agree, boom, you go to the next step. Don't give up, you're gonna keep on going after this. All right, hmm, Mr. Seller, you know, my biggest goal here is not to make the biggest profit, although it is to make a profit. I mean, this is how I feed my family, but my bigger goal is to make sure that I'm safe and that I don't lose money. And based off the current market conditions, what you're proposing is beyond my risk tolerance. Would say $1,500 be doable if I could close quicker. 
Okay? So what you're proposing, Mr. Seller, it's beyond my risk tolerance. Okay? The market ain't gonna allow me to get there. But if I could offer you $1,500 and close quicker, would that be doable? Again, it's, they're gonna say yes or no. It's gonna be their idea. Would that be doable? Yeah, I guess that'd be doable. Or no, that wouldn't be doable, okay? But what you've done here, and this is very key. Remember I said in the beginning, you're gonna purchase property in one of two ways, either by your price in their terms or their price in your terms. And since you couldn't come on those first two attempts, you couldn't come to an agreement on the price, you're now going to introduce a term. The term being, can you close quicker? All right, so now you've taken that negotiation back and forth from price where you're gonna have a winner and a loser, and now you've introduced an additional term to where you can both get something that you want. Okay, sometimes a seller is gonna like that fast money, that fast nickel, nickel over a slow dime. And that's what we're talking about here. If I get your money by the end of the week, would you take 1,500? It's a lot better than them waiting four, four weeks for the full 2,000. You got that? So you guys are gonna come to an agreement or not. If you come to the agreement, boom, you're gonna get the contract signed, right? If you don't agree, all right, perfect. Take another stab at it. Mr. Seller, okay, so you now know my biggest goal and you know what I'm looking for. Can I ask what your biggest goal is? Is it to get top dollar or is it to sell fast? And you get to let them choose, right? It's still their idea. What's your biggest goal? Is it to get top dollars or to sell fast? So top dollar, that means they're going for price. If they're selling fast, that means they're going for terms. And as long as you can control one, you can always create a deal for yourself, okay? And we'll get more into that in tomorrow on how that works. But if you come up with a number, and go ahead and get it signed. If not, then this is a moment where you say, oh, well, Mr. Seller, doesn't look like the market is gonna allow us to both get what we want. And unfortunately, I was really looking forward to helping you. Um, if something changes, give me a call. Here's my card, here's my number. I'd be happy to, um, to come in and work something out. I don't know if I'll be able to buy this house when you do call me. As of right now, I've shared with you what the market will allow us to do. Um, hopefully that doesn't change too much if, if it comes down to the point that you still, you know, you, you need my help. But um, I, will, I wish you the best of luck. If there's anything I can do, you know, give me a call. And you walk out and you're done, okay? Don't go and come up too high into their idea and all of a sudden you're just kind of acquiescing and you just you know you went and went too high and all of a sudden you got this arrogant seller and it's going to be a struggle because you're going to need to sell this property you're going to need to sell it quickly and like i said we'll go over that in the next lesson but if it's a struggle it's not going to happen fast and there's only two reasons you won't be able to struggle or excuse me there's only two reasons you won't be able to sell the property and one of those reasons is it's just not a deal. Second is you, know, you lacked exposure, and we'll go over the exposure in the next lesson. But for the most part, you don't need a whole lot of exposure when you actually have a deal. So you don't wanna be up here, because it's, it's a real false sense of security. You're gonna think you got a deal, you think you got a contract, you think you're just about across the finish line, you're just about to get paid, and boom, you're gonna be disappointed, you're not gonna get it, All right? So you did a little bit of research, if you were unable to get in the ballpark of your number, then you're moving on, you can't buy that one. Now you can follow up and check in with them and take other attempts at it, but 
It's better to miss out on a good one than it is to buy a bad one. You don't want to buy a bad one. Got it? All right. So where are we now? Got my notes over here just to make sure. Okay, perfect. So if you did come to an agreement, now we can come over here. Where'd it go? Here it is. So if you did come to an agreement, here's the contract. You're going to write it up. It's pretty darn easy. Just fill in the blanks. Here's the date, seller's name, your name, property address, and uh, here's the property address. Here's the purchase price, any terms, like you're going to close in seven days, five days, whatever, I mean, any special terms, uh, throw in the cat, um, <laughs> love the car, whatever it may be. Okay, and it's a very basic contract. You just fill in the blank, and you are now in contract. You have control. You have purchased the property. You know the expression. You make your money when you buy real estate, right? You just bought it. Now it's contingent. You don't officially own the entire thing, but you do technically own a portion. You have something what we call equitable interest. You own a portion of that property. You own now the, the right. You have blocked people out, right? You've locked the door. No one can get in. This is you. You own this space. Okay, you don't technically own the Mona Lisa yet, but you own the space and the right to purchase the Mona Lisa. Now, now you've made your money to buy, tomorrow I'll show you how to get paid. Okay, so let's recap a little bit. So this is the daily success report. So today what we did is we took an incoming call, we made this incoming call, we set an appointment, we ran the appointment, we analyzed some properties, those comps, right? We analyzed the properties and we presented an offer and we got the offer accepted. So that's how we track our points with all the activity that we did today. Okay. All right. So we went over how to build rapport with your leads, um, how to present the offer, how to get the signature. Okay. Um, Again, my most successful students are quick to implement, quick to ask questions. Travel as far as you can see. When you get there, you're going to see further. Move at the speed of instruction. Okay? You got to stay ahead of your negative thoughts. You got to stay ahead of your doubts. And you got to you got to stay moving. You can't steer a parked car. So you got to keep moving so you can steer and correct the course when you need to. All right. So, if you need help, um, the private Facebook group, you'll see the link below this video. If you haven't joined already, now would be a good time. And when you need help, go there and either I or the other people in the community will help you with any questions or concerns that you have. If there are any dots here that didn't get connected and we need to do that for you, go ahead and do that. Um, and then also the, the monthly call where I or one of my team members will be on the call once a month and give you our, our personal undivided attention in that call as well. Is there anything else here? Um, you know, it's, it's very common when people ask for help that that question was answered in the video and that might happen, right? So if there's a question you asked and I say, you know what, go back and watch the video because I remember specifically we talked about it. Just, it's just, it's going to allow me to help a lot of people. So I need to leverage these lessons in a way so I can do that and refer back to them. But uh, like I said, if there's any holes there, something that I missed, which is very possible, um, I've been doing this for a long time. I take a lot for granted and maybe I did skip over something or went through it too quickly or didn't complete the thought and you know it left you wondering. Then go ahead and now that's the time to ask the questions and let us help you and, and work you through that. All right. Um, yeah, that's it. Travel as far as you can see. When you get there, you'll see further. 
and tomorrow I'm going to show you how to take that contract and how to get paid, how to actually collect a paycheck without you using any of your own money. No credit, no banks, no nothing. You're not going to have to do any of that. We're going to use someone else's money to get you paid. All right. So I'll show you that in the next lesson. Take care. Okay. That's it for today. If you're cool with listening, then catch us next Monday and we'll wrap it up with your exit strategy, how you're going to actually get paid. You know, up to this point, we've made our money in real estate. Next week, it's going to be time to collect, time to get paid. And I'll show you exactly how to do that next week, next Monday. And if you want to listen, I will see you next week. If you want to see what's going on, access all of the materials and get community and personal support from me, go to freerealestateinvestingcourse.com. Freerealestateinvestingcourse.com. Alrighty? God bless and to your success. I'm Matt Terrio, living Yo. the dream. Yeah, yeah, we got the cash flow. Huh. Yeah, yeah, we got the cash flow. Yeah, yeah, we got the cash flow. You didn't know, homeboy, we got the cash flow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.